I made one of those observations today. Every time Jack mentions to the four, five, and six-year-olds to move, I get up and start walking. What does that say about me, huh? Well, good morning, Orangewood. Good to see you all this morning. My phone rang this morning at 7. Never a good sign on a Sunday when my phone is ringing at 7. I was told that Orangewood does not have power. Didn't have any power, didn't have any uh, electricity, obviously no air conditioning. Uh, scrambling this morning, we had decided to move the early service to our space up top. And we were going to try to do this service in kind of the dark without air conditioning. Anybody love air conditioning this morning right now? Hear an amen, huh? So uh, we thank God and uh, the ingenuity that he has given to Florida fo- uh, Power folks. They were here early and 10 minutes to nine, it kicks on saying, thank you, Lord. So uh, uh, grateful we have electricity, grateful we have power. But more importantly, I got good news. We got God's presence. God says we're two or more gathered, whether the lights are on or not, whether you have AC or not. God says, I'm going to be with my people. I'm going to be with them and love them and reveal who I am to them, uh, make them more like me. So thanks for coming. Uh, I'm very grateful that we're all here, and I am very grateful for air conditioning. All right, let's pray together. And Father God, we do thank you for conveniences like electricity that allow lights to come on and air conditioning to work and allow us to project words and allow us to amplify and, and, and uh, project and, and Lord. But more than anything, we just thank you for you. Thank you for who you are as a loving and giving God. And thank you that we gather in your name. And even if we didn't have those creature comforts, we got a God who is and a God who loves and a God who rescues. So God, I pray that you come and be with us. That God, it is, it truly is, it's all about you. It's all about what your son has done. It's all about who we are in you. So God, because we gather in your name, we we don't want to boast anymore in our stuff. That's junk. We we want to be reminded of you and your blessing. That's eternal. So come and speak, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Although the thermometer may not agree, we are heading into the fall season. And when fall season arrives, you know what season that is, right? I mean, if you're uh, not watching TV lately, it already seems like this season is already in full swing. And I don't know about you, maybe it's just me and what I'm watching, but I've, I've seen more offensive attacks. I've seen more cheap shots. I've seen some more late hits and piling on that seems like I've seen before already. And the season's just beginning. Not only that, but there's a ton of Monday morning quarterbacking already going on. A lot of analysis, a lot of criticism. It's amazing. It seems like we're in full season, doesn't it? You know I'm talking about the political season, right? (laughs) And you know I'm talking about that. Because reality, that is what's happening. I mean, amazing amount of criticisms of... uh, of opponents, uh, opponents' positions, uh, amazing amount of offensive attacks and some cheap shots and some, some piling on. 
Well, if, if criticism in that political season is in the air and, and boasting in yourself and your own agenda, that's the season that Paul found himself in as we look back to God's word in 2 Corinthians 10. I mean, uh, criticism was in the air. Uh, Monday morning quarterbacking was going on and, and Paul was, was taking a lot of cheap shots. You see, Paul had started this church in Corinth and, and others had come in and, and they started criticizing and critiquing and analyzing Paul and his ministry. And, and everything was fair game. I mean, even Paul's stature, they were like, this guy, this guy's a wimp. I mean, this guy's feeble. And, and they attacked his speech and they attacked his, his ability to, to, to stand up and preach. Said, this guy, man, he writes some pretty good letters. They're pretty strong. They're pretty powerful. But see the guy in person, what, what a wimp. Uh, not only that, he, does he really have that dynamic of a ministry? They started questioning his authority. I mean, they, they piled on not only with a physical appearance, but they started questioning his authority to the church, saying, does he really have authority over you? Is there really, he doesn't seem to be that great. As a matter of fact, I mean, Paul, talk about a guy being criticized. You know, it's one thing to criticize someone's message, but to do it, criticize someone's person, that, that's kind of low, don't you think? But you know, the criticism that Paul took for the gospel, it was more than verbal. They stoned him. Because of his standing in Christ, they, they chuck rocks at him, <laughs> try to kill him. And they beat him with rods. They beat him with rods because of who he was and the position he took in Christ Jesus. They leave him for dead. I mean, I mean, this, this is the ministry that this guy has been given, right? I mean, and these are the tacks that this guy is taking only for going into different lands and pro- proclaiming good news of Jesus Christ. But, but Paul does something absolutely amazing. I mean, Paul does something that I will tell you is divine and only could happen empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. Because here's what Paul does. He doesn't defend himself. He only defends Jesus. He doesn't boast in himself and the authority that God had given him. I mean, face to face as an apostle sent to the Gentiles. He doesn't boast in himself. He, he boasts in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the, the thing about this, uh, this political season that we're in, it seems like politicians right now are fighting for their political lives, don't it, doesn't it? I mean, it seems like self-preservation is reigning today. And, and sometimes that doesn't smell like it's more about them than anything else. But you see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is so amazingly powerful that it gives us the ability not to have to have self-preservation but gospel salvation. You see, Jesus has come to rescue us, to give us life and and life abundantly. And now we don't have to boast in ourselves or our own records. We have the privilege of boasting in Christ. You see, the gospel calls us, listen, the good news of what Jesus has done for us in God's standing and standing with one another is the gospel calls us to defend our faith, not ourselves. The gospel calls us in Christ Jesus to boast in the Jesus, the Lord, not boast in ourselves. And if we realize this amazing good news, you see, boasting in the Lord, it begins with our standing. 
This is, this is the amazing good news of what God has done for us through his son. Is that sinners like us now have the ability to have a standing in God's sight. And it's an incredible standing that we're going to unpack today. It's a standing that gives us our identity. That we, we right now can be known and seen in Christ. Not, not just in ourselves and in our, in our sins and our flesh. That our standing, our worth comes from Jesus. Our, our purpose, our, our, our value, it all comes in this amazing grace-filled relationship with God's beautiful, unique son called Jesus. And that now should be our boast. And that should be what propels us in life. So if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10, and we look through uh, verses 7 through 18 today, we're going to pick up right where we left off. The words will be up on the screen. It's also, if you'll notice, it's now listed for you in your bulletin if you want to follow along that way. Remember, we're picking ourselves, uh, we're picking up this story right in the middle of a fight. A fight that's criticizing Paul, criticizing his ministry, and saying, you're not much, Paul. And Paul saying, got me. But Jesus is everything. Let's look to God's word. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 7 through 18. He says this in God's holy word. Look at the obvious facts. And what, what Paul is saying is this, is he's getting such criticism about the fact that he has no authority, no power. Paul starts off great tongue in cheek here. He's like, listen, open up your eyes and look around. There is a church in Corinth by God's grace, because he's called me to you. You're, you, right, sitting right here, even today, are evidence that God has called Paul to himself. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. Paul realizes his standing is in Christ alone. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. I'm not trying to frighten you by my letters. For some say Paul's letters are demanding and and forceful. But in person, he's weak and his speeches are worthless. Those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful as what we say in our letters from far away. Oh, don't worry. We don't dare say that we are as wonderful as those other men who tell you how important they are. But these are the people who were coming in saying that they're the real deal. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ or or the gospel of Christ. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, We hope that your faith will grow, that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the gospel, the good news in other places far beyond you, 
where no one else is working, then there uh, we will, uh, there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. As the scripture says, and he's going to quote Jeremiah 20, or 9.24, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. Listen to this. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them and us. Let us pray. Father, this on the surface seems like a distant fight. It doesn't seem like our fight, to be honest. It seems like Paul had his issues with the church in Corinth, and what in the world does that have to do with us? But God, because... This is your word inspired by your Holy Spirit. There's not a person here that does not need to hear this word and understand what this means for us here and now because this is our fight too. So Father God, would you come with power through your Holy Spirit and give us ears to hear your voice. God, shine your light into our minds and let us have the understanding of who you are and who we are in Christ Jesus. Father, would you so powerfully come through the preaching of your word that you would fill our hearts that are so prone for disbelief, that are so hardened with sin. God, would you lovingly and graciously break our hearts today with the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, would you come and be with us so, so tangibly through the preaching of your word that, that when we walk from here, when we walk out of here, we would be able to stand in Christ Jesus and walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Father, the things that I say that are true and contain that good news, use those things to make us more like Jesus, your son, our savior. And the things I say that are wrong or just my opinion, may that fall away and be forgotten quickly. Receive glory. Give us joy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, you'll see an outline there for you. Uh, the first thing that we're going to see through this amazing text is the power of our gospel standing in verse 7. I mean, Paul had been given by the grace of God this knowledge, this blessing of knowing that his standing before God and before men was in Christ Jesus. Let's unpack that a little bit. What does that actually mean? Well, well Paul realized that, that this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and this, this relationship that he had with Jesus has changed everything. That now uh, Paul's sins have fully been paid for by the blood of Christ. That, that Paul has been wrapped in, in the righteous beauty of Christ's righteousness. That Paul has been made a, a new creature uh, in Christ Jesus. And now Paul's standing, listen, Paul's standing before God and before man was in Christ Jesus. That's where he realized that he could uh, stand on his, uh, in Christ, not on his own. He didn't have to try to stand on his own merits, but in the merits of Christ. How is it with you? What is your standing right now? Is it in and of yourself and, and your own righteousness, your own works, your own religion? 
Or are we standing in Christ Jesus? And by God's grace, what he has done for us. You see, the amazingly beautiful thing about standing in Christ Jesus is that sinners like us, those who by nature are broken, those who mess up, continue to mess up and continue to find ourselves in the ditches of life, don't we? That even right now, even at this very nanosecond, in Christ Jesus, we have the ability to enter into God's presence. Ready for this? Holy and blameless in Christ Jesus. That amazing power of the gospel has made such a turn in our lives that, that we can go before holy God, creator God, living God right now without fear. Are you kidding me? Is that good news? I mean, God is saying, I, there's no standing before me uh, apart from Christ. Everything else is what we just sang. I mean, sinking sand. So Paul was saying to defend himself, defend his ministries. Let's listen. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground. I mean, just, it's just sinking sand. So it really did two things. It gave Paul the ability to go before God without fear. And it also gave him the ability to go before man without boasting or pride or shame. Interestingly, uh, this week, uh, I challenged the church uh, that we would read through Scripture together. Uh, there are some Scripture reading forms you can get online, uh, or you can get them in the lobby. We started the Psalms. And so if you've been doing this, you should be on Psalm. I think 7 was the one we finished today. We started the Gospel of John as well. But the Psalms say this. It says, blessed is a man. The blessed is a man who does not stand with sinners. Blessed is that man who, who stands in Christ Jesus. Psalm 2 ends with this one, this way. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Christ Jesus. Here's the point. Are you blessed of God? Are you blessed of the Father? It all has to do with your standing. And where is your standing? Are you standing by God's grace having faith in Christ Jesus as your Savior, your Lord, or are you standing on your own? See, Paul begins by his boasting of his gospel standing is in Christ and Christ alone. But here's the beautiful news. Lean in with me. This is all fits together. The power of the gospel standing leads to the second thing, the power of gospel commendation. The power of gospel commendation in verse 18. Let me ask you, do you feel as you live your life that you must live your life in a way that continually commends yourself? Do you feel like you got to defend yourself, your existence, what you're doing, and what your worth is? Do you feel like you always have to be commending yourself to others? If so, you are not secure in your gospel standing. If you feel like you always have to justify your existence to God and to others, and what you are doing, really, you are not secure in the gospel standing in Christ Jesus. But the flip side of that is also very interesting. Do you feel you have to live your life condemning yourself? Maybe the opposite, not just saying I'm great, but saying I stink, I'm lousy, I'm broken. Do you feel like you have to live your life condemning yourself? There too, you are not securely standing in Christ. 
You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is such good news as it frees us from both of these fallacies that we don't have to live our lives justifying our existence. Christ Jesus has already done that. And listen, you don't have to live your life continually condemning yourself for the ditches you find yourself in, the things you struggle with, the mistakes that continually plague you. I love, I love Paul in, in Romans 7. I mean, Paul was a smart guy and he knew what God was calling him to. And he knew that God was holy. And he knew that God was saying, be like me in Christ Jesus and and live a life that's holy and pure. And Paul kept messing up. And Paul Paul says in Romans 7, listen, the things that I should do, I don't do. (laughs) The things that I hate doing in my flesh, I'm doing them all the time. And he gets to chapter 8, verse 1. And he says, but in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Did you hear that? No condemnation in Christ Jesus. Are you kidding me? How amazing is a holy, gracious God that in Christ Jesus, he is not going to say, sinner, you messed up, you messed up again. In Christ Jesus, freedom. In Christ Jesus, forgiveness. In Christ Jesus, no condemnation. Oh my goodness. What an amazing gospel we have. Do you feel you have to condemn yourself? God does it in Christ Jesus. Why are you? Listen, here's the amazing beauty of this gospel. Everything we need, listen, everything we need to be commended by God has graciously been given to us in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Everything that we need to receive God's blessing has graciously been given, not earned, to us in Christ Jesus. Man, this gospel is so powerful. This gospel is so powerful, we're not just not condemned, but we're commended in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? Listen, let's, let's lean into this. This means not, we're not just condemned, but we're commended. It's not like we're just forgiven. It's not that we're just washed away with our sins. It's not just that we're a blank slate. Sometimes you might think the gospel makes us a blank slate. It takes away the past, present, future sins, and there we are, blank slates. No, 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 no. Yes, that's true, and that's beautiful. But not only that, in Christ Jesus, God commends us. He is for us. He believes in us. He rejoices in us, in Christ Jesus. I mean, we're beautiful in his sight when we're robed in his son's righteousness. We're his. You know, one of my favorite passages is when Jesus is being baptized in in Matthew 3. And it's a beautiful picture of the Trinity, by the way. But it was one of those times when the Father in heaven can no longer contain his enthusiasm of his only begotten sinless Son. It was a time where heaven can no longer remain silent and the Father booms from, from heaven and says, that's my boy, Jesus, man. And I am so well pleased in him. You know, I long to hear that. That's my son. It's my daughter. I'm so pleased. You see, it's great news about the gospel. It's so freeing because in Christ Jesus, we are commended. 
by God, commended that God, that we have faith in believing who Jesus is, who he says he is. There's an amazing passage in Romans 8 that's referred to often as a golden chain. And most people know Romans 8, 28, probably one of your favorite verses, you know, for all things work together uh, for those who love the Lord and called according to his purpose. But 29 and 30 are equally as amazing, in matter of fact, through the whole chapter. And it says this, it says this in these passages, it says, those whom before for the foundation of the world that God had predestined to come and know and love him, to those God has justified. And here's what it means. To those God has uniquely set his love on, he has forever declared not guilty. If you are a child of God, if you have come into a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, listen, today, tomorrow, forever, justified, not guilty in Christ, rejoice. But it says more. Those he's justified, he's also sanctified. Those that he's declared not guilty, he's making pure and holy. But it says more. It says those that he's declared not guilty and those who he's making holy, he is already glorified. He knows the end product. You and I, we're going to be like Jesus. We're not going to one day struggle anymore with our sin and our depravity. You see, everything about our standing, listen, every single thing about our standing before Christ is a gift. Everything, everything we have is in Jesus graciously given to us. Now we are dignified and made beautiful in Jesus. Let that soak the gospel commendation that says you're mine. So therefore, if we realize this, then our only boasting should be in Jesus. I mean, that's the third thing, the the power of our gospel boasting in verse 17. You know what we have to boast in and of ourselves apart from Jesus? You know what we have to boast in that we own apart from what he has done? Nada. <laughs> Scripture is pretty, pretty poignant about this, pretty direct. I mean, Scripture says that apart from Christ, our righteousness, I mean, the things that we want to try to do for holy God's acceptance, holy God's approval, God says, in my sight, without Jesus wrapping himself around you, in my sight, your holiness, your good stuff, filthy rags. I mean, junk. Scripture says this about us. It says that, uh, that in Christ Jesus, we can do all things. I mean, all things. But apart from him, to please him, apart from him, we can do nothing. Okay. So what should we boast in, my brothers and sisters? <laughs> if we can do all things in Christ and, and apart from him, nothing. If our righteousness apart from him is filthy rags, what should we boast in? Should we boast in our own dunghills? I mean, should we boast in our own depravity and sinfulness? I mean, kind of silly, isn't it? He gives us something so much better to boast in, boast in Christ. Do you realize that the only thing that we have of worth has been given to us? It's true. Even God's image. The only thing that we have of worth is, has been given to us graciously. The only, listen, the only thing that we could claim on our own is our depravity, our sinfulness. My father often quoted to me Proverbs 27, 2 growing up. And as I read this, you'll know why. It says, let another praise you 
and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. I mean, what, what God is saying is, is let, let another praise you. Don't live a boastful life. But listen, here's, here's the reality is being commended by God. Whose lips are the ones, listen, whose lips are the one who's commending us? Holy God in Christ Jesus, his lips commend sinners like us and say, mine, 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 beloved, beloved, beloved. The lips of God commend us. Now our lips should boast in him. We have nothing else to boast in. As we realize this, we'll also see, as you follow along, the proper gospel use of authority. As we realize our standing alone is in Christ. We realize that our commendation alone is in Christ. We realize that our boasting alone is in Christ. We should realize the gospel use of authority. What did Paul say that he was given authority for? Building others up. Strive to be a blessing. Whatever, listen, whatever authority, whatever blessing God has given to you, he's not giving it to you for you, for your security, for your identity, for your joy, and for your life. He's giving it to you for him and for others. And he wants to use the authority that he's given to you to build up others. But in the flesh and in our insecurity, we think authorities for ourselves, authorities for our own security, for our own lives. But in Christ Jesus, we don't need any of that. We have everything we need. So we should be building up others. What authority has God given you? Now, it, it, moms, it might be your dining, dining room table. Maybe uh, students, it might be just your, your sphere of friends. What authority has God? Listen, he's given all of you some authority. Are you using it to build others up? Are you using it to advance Christ's kingdom? Or are you using it for yourself? The proper understanding of gospel authority is that God gives us authority to benefit others. Look at Jesus who had all the authority in heaven and earth. And what does he do? He gives it and gives it and gives it and gives it away for the glory of God, his Father, and the advancement of his kingdom. Then we have the uh, gospel understanding of comparison in verse 12. I mean, these knuckleheads that were ripping on Paul, they were comparing each other to each other. Who does that? I mean, they had no gospel understanding that really our standing is in Christ. So they, they want to compare their ministries. Like, how many people do you have in your congregation? How many sermons did you preach this week? How many souls were converted under your ministry? I mean, that, that's what they were basically doing. But listen, let's be honest with ourselves. Don't we live in a world that has a keep up with the Joneses mentality? Aren't we continually, listen, aren't we continually comparing ourselves to others? Did you do it this morning? Did you drive in this morning and go buy some houses and say, man, look at that house. Man, I can't believe that thing. How many people live in that puppy? wonder what that bill is for to get that air conditioning going. Drive on our campus. Look at that car. Man, who would buy that car? Either that, you might look at it and say, man, look at that piece of car trash, man. How can that be here? Did you compare yourself to others this morning? Are you doing it now? Are you looking at other families saying, well, how come I don't have this or that or the other thing? I mean, listen, <laughs> amazingly, when we, we forget our standing in Christ, I mean, really what happens is we start comparing ourselves to others and it will produce two destructive things every time. When we compare ourselves to others, it will produce two destructive things. The first thing is pride because we think we're better than others. 
And, and, and God says that we should do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or vain conceit. I mean, comparing ourselves to others, say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm just so thankful I don't sin like them. I mean, man, look at them. They're, they're losers. I mean, whew, thank you, God, that I, I don't have that wrestle. I, I don't have that life. Whoa, thank you, God. Look at who I am. I mean, man. If it's not pride, then the other side of that is the thing it could produce is shame. God, how come I'm not like them? How come you've just blessed them? We either have pride or we have guilt when we, in an unhealthy manner, compare ourselves with others. We see the gospel of Jesus Christ has given us a brand new measuring stick. A brand new measuring stick is this, who you are in Christ not who you are compared to the people sitting next to you. It is God who's the one who has gifted you. It is God is the one who has placed you in a specific field for his glory. It is about God. The truth is, it's not even about you. It's about him. Understanding and com- the right use of comparison, all by God's grace. And then there's the gospel understanding of calling in verses 13 and 14. And verses 13 and 14, the gospel understanding of calling, really, you understand God's calling on our lives requires some little theological work here that we understand God's role in calling us and God's role in gifting us. Now, I want you to know that the scripture teaches that you are amazingly unique, that God formed you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. He wove you together as a masterpiece. You are one only. It's just amazing what God has made in you. You are who you are by God's design. You have the gifts you have by God's design. You don't have the gifts that you don't have by God's design. Are you pleased with what God has given you? Or are you complaining to the creator? We are where we are by God's providence. Listen, we are where we are by God's providence. Nothing happens in this universe apart from God's sovereign hand. It's hard to figure sometimes, but there's not one rogue Adam that is outside of God's control. If there were, he wouldn't be holy God. Everything that is happening in your life, God's fingerprints one way or another are on them. You are where you are by God's design. You are who you are by God's design. And let me ask you this question. Are you complaining about it? shouldn't be complaining who we are. We're, we're, we're made by God. shouldn't complain where you are. I hate September in Florida. It's the worst stinking month of the year. It's supposed to be cool. It's hot. I just don't like September. I want to complain about it. It's just fall, apples, football, cool weather. It's miserably hot in Florida. I want to complain about it. I want to complain about the gifts that I don't have that some other preacher has. I want, to, I want to complain about a size of a church or a congregation. I want to complain about an area where I live. I want to complain about what God has called me to. But you see, Paul had this amazing deal. He says, I know what field God's called me to. I, I know. Here's the point. God has you where you are for a reason for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom. You're not here by mistake. Don't you dare think that changing your address is going to change your issues, right? We all think that. 
Somehow changing our address is going to change our issues. We bring ourselves to a new address. Our issues are going to come with us. We're not home yet. It's not paradise yet. We're still going to have issues no matter where we are. But when this church starts to realize that your gifting has been designed by God, you are an ambassador of Christ right now if you're a child of God. And your calling has been designed by Christ. If that's a house mom, a housewife, if that's a, a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, if that's a student, if that wherever you are, God has you in that field for a reason to shine for him, to stand up for him. A gospel understanding of calling. You know what the enemy would love to do? Say, you're not really gifted. It doesn't really matter. And listen, you're not in the right place anyway. And and you don't have to do this. And make your life miserable and make you nothing but complain. And so that we aren't living for him. The gospel understanding of calling. And lastly, the goal of the gospel in verses 15 and 16. The goal of the gospel. You ready for this? Growth in our faith, Paul says. I'm praying that you will grow in your faith. You'll grow in the grace and understanding in Christ Jesus. You know what I just love about that? It doesn't say this. I pray that you grow in your morality. I I, I pray that you grow in, in, in your religiosity. I pray that you grow. He says, I pray that you grow, listen, in your faith. That you just, you just know you're standing in Christ Jesus. I pray you grow in your faith because when the days are dark and there's going to be a lot of them and when things don't make sense and you just can't make the equation work, by the grace of God, you will say, but I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and he is the light of the world and I will walk with him no matter where he calls me into darkness. Grow by God's grace in your faith. And grow in your faith. So why? So that the kingdom of God would be advanced. Paul was saying, I pray that you're going to grow up and stop complaining. And so you'll realize who you are in Christ Jesus. So I can go and preach to other places. And so that we together can advance Christ's kingdom. The goal of the gospel is for us to be more like Jesus for the glory of God. And for the kingdom of God to be advanced for the glory of God. What is the source of your boasting? Final question. What is the source of your boasting? If you don't know, it's what you talk about the most. That will probably be revealing to you where, what you're standing upon. That's probably your identity and your security, what you're standing on. What are you boasting about? I was thinking about this this morning and I asked the early service, I said, what do you think we talk about the most? And I asked for an answer. What do you think we talk about the most? They were quicker to respond. Come on. Ourselves, yeah? I think it's our kids. It's our kids. I mean, we are a society that loves to boast in our kids. It's hilarious. I do it. My kid's 11, man. He made the 12-year-old all-star team. Yeah. Man, see that kid take go in the hole and get the ball. He's amazing. My daughter, man, she's like 15 and 5'11". You should see her play volleyball. Man, it's incredible. You know? I mean, my kid, my SAT scores. Woo, you should see my, he's smart as a whip, that kid of mine. I mean, how pathetic that we are boasting in our kids as if that was our standing, right? As if that was our justification, 
that somehow our kids are going to validate our lives. You know the amazing danger of that? Here it is. When they mess up, and they will mess up. Why? Because they're kids. Is our worth going to be shaken? What's your standing in? What are you boasting in? What if you lose your job? Is that your standing? Is that, is that you stop boasting because you're unemployed? You can stop boasting in Christ Jesus because you, you, you're having a hard time financially? Is that, is that what you're boasting in? Yeah, for the love of Mike, let's don't boast in our kids. Put the pressure off of them. You know how much pressure that puts on them? Let them be kids. The gospel of Jesus Christ is amazing. It just, it just gives us a whole different ability to stand. Our standing in Christ. It gives us a whole different understanding of, of being commended by God. It gives us a whole different story to boast in. My brothers and sisters, for the love of Mike, let us not boast in our own dunghills. God has given us something so much more. Let us boast in our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, through us, for his glory. And may we go and boast in Jesus and nothing else. Let us pray. Father, I don't know what I'm more amazed with, the power of the gospel or the power of my forgetfulness that you offer us Jesus to stand in and we often choose, "Ah, I'm okay, I'll stand with my own righteousness. I can make it on my own. I don't know what's more amazing that you in Christ Jesus can not only not condemn us, but you will commend us and find us beautiful in your sight. How foolish is he or she who tries to be commended on their own? Father, boasting. I mean, in Paul's day, they were boasting about ministries, ministry success. How stupid. And how stupid have I been by boasting in so many other things except Jesus? I mean, the truth of the gospel and the truth of your word is so clear. Apart from you, we can do nothing. But in you, we can do all things. Father God, I I pray for the man, woman, and child right now that that aren't comfortable in their standing, that are are complaining about their gifting, that are complaining about where you've placed them in their calling. Father, may the good news of Jesus Christ sweep through this place in a a way that we, we just see Jesus for who he is and fall in love with him and boast in him and nothing else. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for not boasting in your son and empower us to live our lives that tell your story. We pray in Christ's name, amen.